And tonight we're going to go back into our series. We're now in the fifth week of this study as we are studying on the priority and power of prayer. And we are, we are going through the book of Acts. Now, we're not going verse by verse. We're, we're kind of looking a little bit more of sections of chapter by chapter, statements that are made there. And what we are doing is we are following the trek of prayer throughout the book of Acts. Because we begin to see how powerful prayer was to that early church. And so that's where we are focusing on during this series. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18, Paul is writing and he's telling them after he told them to put on the whole armor of God. And then he, he said, you know, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he tells them to put on the whole armor and he gives them all of the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your, you know, the, the, uh, your loins girt about with truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace having the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. And he tells them then that's how we are going to wage war. But in Ephesians 6 and verse number 18, he says, praying always. Somebody say that. You in-house say that with me. Praying always. Later in, in another section here, Paul will tell them, pray without ceasing to the church. At, I believe the, the Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. Praying always. Always, he's going to tell them, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Be sure and hear that. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so we, we talked through that the first week. We began to look at a few things about prayer and we began to set the stage for this study that we have been involved in now for four weeks and this will be the fifth week. We talked about the different types of prayer. And then, uh, uh, if you will remember, we, we began to talk about the church is as an olive tree and we begin to talk about uh, the importance of prayer in that process and how we should be producing and part of the planting and part of the pruning and part of the producing process is prayer. So we, we walked our way through that. And then on the third week, we talked about the releasing power of prayer. And we walked through Acts 2, Acts 3, and Acts 4. And, and we found that prayer uh, released the filling work of the Holy Spirit. That prayer released revival among them. Uh, that, that it releases demonstration. There was just a release. The miraculous healing power went forward. Persecution was released because as you pray, the enemy then will try to fight. And then prayer releases boldness as well. And so we, we begin to talk there. And then on the fourth week, we talked about the thread of prayer. And I, I hope that, that maybe this will just refresh your memory for just a moment as we just kind of hit that again because I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey with you. That's why I'm trying to recap this. But we talked about the thread of prayer. And we looked at Acts 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And, and we, we looked at how the thread of prayer would weave throughout and really that thread of prayer we are still in that concept even though we're going a different way because the thread of prayer weaves all throughout the book of Acts sometimes it is very obvious other times it is maybe not fully stated 
but it is a result of prayer, the things that were happening uh, in that early church. And so prayer is like a thread, and we begin to look at that, because in the master's hand, in a seamstress's hand, or a seamstress's hand, a tailor's hand, then thread is powerful, and it is capable of holding together. And so we kind of walked that. We talked about being knit together. We, we talked about that the stitching may be different. You have to know what kind of stitching is needed for the right process. And, and so then we begin to look through the book of Acts for that. Tonight, I want to talk to you as we're going to be looking in Acts 10 through Acts 16. And I'm going to be talking to you tonight about the concept of the door of prayer. Prayer is a doorway. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that. While the prayer is threaded all throughout the book of Acts, we also see that prayer opens doors. Now you need to, you need to hear that. So let me, let, me just, let me just tie this together for you for just a moment because I, I, I think it's important. If you'll remember... The word that the Lord gave us was the Spirit of the Lord is stirring and moving again in Gethsemane, the place of press, the place where there's a press taking place. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. And so with that in mind, we begin to look at this pressing in prayer. And we begin to talk about that and study through that. And so the church is as an olive tree. So that means there's going to be some pressing that goes on to get out of us what God has put in us. There is a thread of prayer that is revealed. And then tonight there is a door of access that prayer brings into our life. And so as we're walking through the book of Acts, we are truly looking at the priority and the power of prayer. How many of you understand prayer is a doorway? Prayer opens doors. Prayer gives access. In fact, so much so that the Word tells us that we have been given access through Jesus Christ into the throne room of the Father. We come in His name. He is a high priest that understands what we are going through. And we are given access. We can come boldly before the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we can make our petitions known. There is a doorway. Prayer opens a door that we can come before the Father and be bold as we petition Him. As we communicate with Him. So as we are talking about the concept of prayer. And we are talking about communicating with the Lord. I, I You know, we, we don't. If we're not careful, we are so superficial in the church of today. We are so surface. We, we get used to just messages and lessons that just are surface level things. And, and when we really begin to dig into the deeper things of God, it, it sometimes is almost foreign to us. It, it, it sometimes is, well, can't we just stay more on the surface? No, if we're going to be what God has called us to be, we've got to go deeper in Him. And let, let me tell you, one of the only ways that you can truly go deeper in your walk with the Lord is by having a consistent prayer life. Without it, you will always remain on the surface. You've got to go deeper. You've got to get into the Word, and you've got to communicate with the Lord. You've got to have a prayer life. Because you will discover that as you pray, doors begin to open. 
And we're going to hear some different things tonight, and hopefully we're going to be able to pull this together, and you're going to be challenged uh, when you leave here this evening about your prayer life. Because, you know, sometimes people don't pray because they don't really see the priority of it. They, they, don't, they may never say that because no one wants to say something like that. But I know people that have talked to me and, and I've heard statements like, well, my prayer just doesn't seem effective. And well, I try to pray, but I just don't get anywhere. Or I don't really understand what's so important about prayer. It doesn't really seem to work for me. And I think there's some misconceptions when it comes to prayer there. And, and so, some, so many people who are believers call themselves believers, but they do not engage in prayer. The statistics are really sad about the amount of time that a believer spends in prayer. It is minuscule, the amount of time a day that a believer will spend in prayer. And, and so uh, I, I just want to challenge you. What I'm trying to do is, is get us to understand we need to go deeper in our walk with the Lord. And, and the only way we're going to do that is by going deeper in our prayer life. Because it is as we pray, doors begin to open. Uh, let me take you to a scripture here first. Before we get into the book of Acts, let me go a few scriptures with you that the Lord has given me. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9. Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth. He's telling them now. He's closing this first book uh, of, uh, to the Corinthians. And he's, he's telling them of his personal plans. And in verse number 9, he says, verse 8 he says, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Verse 9. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. A door has opened to me. Ministry has, has come to me. I have spent time with the Lord and ministry has opened up. There has been a door, an effective door. How many of you want to have an effective door that God opens before you so that your life can feel effective? How many want that? Well, let me tell you, the main way you're going to do that is spending time in the presence of the Lord. Otherwise, doors can open that you'll never see. You will miss opportunity after opportunity if you are not spending time in the presence of the Lord. Paul was a man that spent time in the presence of the Lord. And because of that, an effective door would be open to him. Everywhere he went, he would teach the gospel. He would go into the synagogue. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that, that had set times of prayer. A man that, that understood the importance of prayer. And so effective doors opened for him. So he was going to stay in emphasis until Pentecost because there was effectiveness in his life. See, if we will communicate with the Lord, if we will hear from Him, and we will communicate with Him, then, then we can see effectiveness in our life. And we should not be people who feel ineffective. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many here tonight, or how many that are watching online, would say, Pastor, I just don't feel effective in my walk. I just don't feel like I am accomplishing anything. And, and if we asked for a show of hands, probably the hands would, would be all over this place. But we should be people that are effective in the kingdom. Because our God is an effective God. 
He is working. He is moving. And when we are connected to Him, then we will move with Him. And so the only way we connect with Him, the the main way we connect with Him is in our time of communication with Him in our time of prayer. Okay? So without prayer, you will not be effective in the kingdom. Amen. Do you know... Let me just let me just go here. Do you, do you know that Satan, you know, the devil, do you know he knows the word? He knows the word. So much so that he can twist the word in little ways to try to deceive you with it. He knows the word. If all it took was knowing the word to be effective, then Satan would be effective. But here's what Satan doesn't have. He knows the word, but he doesn't have the truth. And he has no communication line, no relationship with the Father. He has no no life that is spent in the presence of the Father in a relationship with Him. Therefore, He he may know the Word. And and the reason I said that is this. Because there are believers that, that you may know the Word. And you can argue the word, and you know the word well enough to, to, to hammer everybody else with it. But if you are not spending time in the presence of the Lord, communicating, listening, praying, uh, having that open talk with the Lord, that, that, that dialogue with the Lord, if you are not having that moment, then you will not be effective. We've got to be people of prayer. And in the day where we find ourselves so busy that, that people will say, well, I just, I just don't have time to pray. You have to make time to pray. I told you that one of the nights. I don't remember which night it was. But you need to have a habit of prayer. You need to have a habit of devotion. And you need to have a habit of Bible reading. So you need to have a habit of devotional reading of the Word. Amen. How many know it's important, not that you just read books written by men about the Word, but it is important that you read the Word. You need to have devotional time reading the Word. You need to have study time where you're digging deeper into the Word. But you need to have the habit of prayer in your life. And if you don't have time, you have to make time. And so that means it has to be important enough to you. Because here's what I found about all of us. What is important to us, we make time for. Amen. I've never yet met anyone that something was vitally important to them and they said, well, you know, it, whatever it might be. You, you know, I could throw out some things and you'd think I was talking about you and I'm not, I'm not doing that. But, you, you know, things that are important to you. That in the grand scheme of life, they may not be all that important, but they are important to you. I've never yet met anyone that they were passionate about something in this world and I've never met anyone that said, boy, I am passionate about that, but I just don't have time to enjoy that. Amen. They make time. They find time. If it is passion, a passion of yours, you will make time for it. Come on, are y'all are y'all out there? I'm not not, you know, maybe that's condemnation that I'm sensing. I'm not trying to condemn you. That this is not condemnation now, or maybe it's conviction. Now, if it is conviction, that's a good thing. We need to be convicted if you're feeling that. 
But, but it's true. Think in your life. What is it that in the world? Don't take the spiritual side out for a moment. What, it is, what is it in the world that you are passionate about? Okay, if you think of that, whatever it might be, whether it's, you know, sports or whatever it is. You know, maybe it's fishing or, you know, I, I don't know, shopping or, you know, whatever it is. Taking your dog to the dog park or, you know, whatever you're passionate about. How many times have you said, boy, I would love to do that, but I just, I just don't have time for that. I just can't find time for that. You don't, you don't say that. You make time. So what I'm saying is this. If a relationship with Jesus is important and you're passionate about it, you will make time to communicate with Him. And the more you communicate with Him, the more effective your life will be in the kingdom. Amen. Are 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 y'all out there? I may have lost some of y'all. I don't know. Y'all just bear with me. I'm I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. If you know, I I heard a preacher one time say, "I I try not to point fingers at others because every time I do, I've got I've got three pointing right back at me." So there you go. Uh, So I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just I'm just trying to challenge us. We need to be people that are passionate about prayer. So make time for that because that's where our effectiveness comes from. There is an effective door open for people that are in relationship with Jesus. And relationship with Jesus is more than just saying, Lord, I believe you're my Savior. Relationship with Jesus is talking with Him. Relationship with the Father is talking with Him, communicating with Him, hearing what He has to say. I've told you this before, but when Veronica and I were dating... uh, we back in the you know ancient days, uh, back before all the cell phones and all that, we didn't have texting. And thank the Lord, we didn't have te- We only had landline phones. And Veronica loved to talk on the phone. And I was not near as passionate about talking on the phone because we'd just run out of things to say. And then we would just sit there, and I would say, "Well, I'm going to go ahead and let you go." And then I could just hear her on the other end of the line. Okay. And so then we just had to sit there for a little while, you know. This was while we were dating. And so, and then back before that, we would write letters. Come on. Fold them all up. You know, she could fold her letters real fancy. And mine just folded up into squares and handed them to her. But, you know, she would, I would go over and I would see her. I would take her out on a date. And then she would give me two or three letters that she had written me throughout the week. At school or whatever the case might be. And so you know what I did? I just took those letters and tossed them in my back seat and drove home, went on about my week. And, you know, said, boy, I I wish I had time to read those. I'm just too busy. You know, that's not what I did. You know what I did? As soon as I left her, I'm reading those letters. Because I was passionate about that. Come on. Are are you all with me? And that's how relationship grows. That's how get and so that's how it is with the Lord. Do you know He's He's written us some letters? He wants to communicate with us. He wants to talk with us because He wants us to be effective in the relationship with Him. And so we have to take advantage of it. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's get on into this. There is an effective door that will open for people that prioritize prayer. And it will be a powerful, effective door. It is a door of deliverance. And we're going we're gonna to see this, but I'm just going to get this right off the bat for you. It is a door that opens to salvation. The more you pray, the Lord will lead you to, to see the need of others. 
and will bring opportunities before you to minister to other people. The more you communicate with the Lord, the more you will become effective for His kingdom. The more you will be about the Father's business. Prayer will open a door for deliverance. If you're struggling with something, you're bound by something, spend time in prayer. Spend time. Amen? Is that, is that too old-fashioned? I, just, I still believe prayer works. I, I still believe if we will spend time in prayer and we will listen for what the Lord says, it will help us. Do you know in, in my life, especially in my past, when, when I was struggling with things and, and you know, I knew they weren't right things and I, I was trying by my own willpower, you know, because as a, as a young man, I, I just thought if I can just have enough willpower, I can stop these things. But I found out real quickly I didn't have enough willpower uh, to stop those things. And so, it, but the more I would pray, you know what I discovered? I never failed God while I was communicating with God. But when I quit communicating with Him, it was a whole lot easier to fail Him. Amen. So if you need deliverance from something, pray. Get in the Word. Pray. Have someone that is a person of faith, a brother or sister in the Lord, or or a family member or whatever that has faith, and gather with them and pray together. Be accountable to one another. Be in relationship with the Lord and in relationship with one another. And the Lord will give you freedom. Amen. He who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. So you got to walk with Him. you got to be with Him. There will be a door that will open through prayer. A door of revival. And we're going to see in the book of Acts, the door of revival would shake cities and nations because the church was praying. That sounds so simple, and it almost sounds unbelievable, but prayer is effective, and it opens effective doors. Pray. Prayer opens a door of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you'll spend time in prayer, the Holy Spirit will pour into your life, and you will have an outpouring of His power and His Spirit. Amen. And turn with me over to John chapter 16. I want you to see something else. I'm just pulling a few things together here. And, and really what I'm going to share with you in those chapters in the book of Acts is just going to be a, a, a kind of a summary there. So we're, we're doing okay. Uh, I see that, Robert. Robert's online with me. And he says, we're, you're preaching better than we're amening. <laughs> I, I agree with that here. John chapter 16, verse number 13. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit that's going to come. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and will declare it. To you. I want you to notice this progression here. The Spirit of God. Here's what Jesus told His disciples. The Spirit. When the Spirit comes, He will point us to Jesus and to His Word. 
He will point us to the fact that Jesus is the door. He said, Jesus said, I am the door. He is the way. The Spirit will point us through the door, to the door of effectiveness, okay? And then the word that He gives us is a doorway to the promise and provision and prophetic. So we have to hear what He's saying. We have to communicate with Him. We have to be listening to what the Spirit is saying. A part of prayer is listening, It's not just talking, it's listening. Spend time listening because the Spirit of God will point you to Jesus, will point you into the Word, and the Word will open doors for you that will take you places in your life that you can't go on your own. Do you know every great move of God is preceded by prayer? If you you went back and studied, I, I love history. And I love the history of the church. And I, I'm, you know, I don't know if I consider myself a history buff or not, but I, I love church history. And, and when you study the great revivals down through the ages of the church, you, if you go back and study the Azusa Street outpouring, if you study the Welsh revival, if you go back and look at the Keswick revival, if you, if you look at the movements that took place, if you look into the ministry of great men, women of God that moved, you're going to find a common thread that opened a door, and that is going to be all of those moves were preceded by prayer, by people that prioritized prayer. They made prayer a vital part of their daily life and their existence. And because of that, they walked in power and they saw God do great things. If we really want to see God do great things in our day, then we have to be people that are willing to pray. Amen. I, I read, uh, I've read um, Jim Cimbala, the pastor in the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Uh, there in in Brooklyn, you might know the choir more than you know the pastor, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. But but uh, Jim Symbol is a great man of God, and he he he's written I don't know how many books he's written, but I know I have three books that that I've read: Fresh Power and Fresh Fire and Fresh Faith. And and in the first book that he wrote, he talked about how the church there in Brooklyn began to take off. And do you know what it started with? Prayer started they would just open up a prayer meeting and there wasn't a whole lot of people at the beginning but but the more they prayed the more God began to show up and lives begin to change and testimonies begin to come out of lives because now a door of effectiveness is opening and deliverance is coming into people's lives and the more they pray then the more people are drawn in until revival has broken out a church is built out of that that reaches people to this day of all nationalities of all races and a powerful light for the gospel and it's going to be coming about because of prayer Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying we've got to prioritize prayer. We have to. We cannot, we can't waste this opportunity. We can't try to do this on our own because we are incapable on our own. We have to spend time with the Lord. And you have to be doing that consistently. Asking the Spirit of God to lead you. And in prayer last night, the Lord took me to the book of Matthew in, in my prayer time to Matthew chapter 16, when Peter is going to announce that Jesus is the Christ. And in, in Matthew chapter 16 and, and verses 13 through 20, 
Jesus came and he said, who do men say that I am? You remember the story. It came to Caesarea Philippi. Who do men say that I am? And they began to list off the prophets and people that men were saying that he was. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're this prophet. Some say you're that. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter speaks up being moved upon by the Spirit of the Lord. And he said, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon bar Jonah, that's what that means. Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you, because flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this into your life. Okay? And he said, and I say to you that you are Peter, meaning little rock. And upon this rock, Jesus, your confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now listen, here's where the Lord took me last night. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And what the Lord began to speak into my life last night in that time of prayer is that we are moved upon by God in the times of communication with the Spirit as the Lord reveals things to us. And, and we have been given keys of the kingdom. And these keys involve declaration. They involve speaking. They involve binding and loosing. I don't, I don't know if you see that there. But the keys of the kingdom are seen in the words and in the actions that we take. And so we need to be people that are speaking God's word. We need to be people that are declaring God's word. So therefore we need to be people that are practicing that declaration in prayer. Because here's the thing. You'll never speak out in faith what you have not spoken out in prayer. Amen. If you can't speak it out in prayer to God, how do you think you're going to speak it out in faith in the time of need? Speak to the Lord. Communicate. Pray. Declare. Understand. It's a key of the kingdom. Prayer is one of the keys of the kingdom because whatever's bound and whatever's loose, that's, that's a communication. The Spirit of God revealing to us these are keys of the kingdom. Christ is the Son of the, of the living God. Then these are keys. And, and prayer is a key of the kingdom. And so it is vitally important. Now let's look at a few things in the book of Acts. And I'm just going to give these to you because I, I really just come to talk to you tonight about the door of prayer. And I just want you to understand that whatever you're in need of, the door that is going to be opened is going to be opened by prayer so that God can lead you to it. What, whatever, whatever is in front of you, that door is going to open as you're communicating with the Lord, as you're walking with Him. As you, are, as you are sharing your life with Him. In Acts chapter 10, that's where we're going to start. In Acts chapter 10, we pick up the story that a man named Cornelius... There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. This is Acts 10. He was a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. But he was a Gentile man, not a Jewish man. He was, he was now one that, and he's going to, the Lord is going to speak to him and tell him, send for Peter. 
And I'm just going to sum this up for you. But So he sends men to find Peter. Well, Peter, later on in the book of Acts 10 here, it says, Peter was in an upper chamber on an upper uh, rooftop, and he is basically in prayer to where he is almost in a a trance-like state, if you will. I, that he is seeing in a vision. And he sees a vision of, of unclean animals being let down. Do you all remember that? In the sheet. And, and, and he hears the Lord say, rise and eat. And Peter says, Lord, I can't eat that. It's unclean. And he continues to tell Peter that until he realizes that God is speaking something new and fresh to him. He tells him to go with these men. And he's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But I want you to notice the doorway of prayer. The, the Cornelius was praying, communicating with God. Because he was directed what to do. Peter was praying. And God was able to speak to him something brand new. And give him direction in the way that he needed to go. Something he had never done before. Because prayer opens the door of opportunity to new things. How many, of you, how many of you would love new things in your life? You're just tired of the same old, same old. Let me tell you, the door of opportunity is going to open as you pray. Prayer opens the door of opportunity. The more you communicate with God, then doors of opportunity for new things with the Lord begin to open up. And so we see that in Acts chapter 10. And, and you may know the story, but Peter goes down with them. He does what he's not supposed to do as a Jewish man. He goes into a Gentile home and he shares the gospel with them. They get saved. The Holy Spirit falls on them. They speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. They prophesy. The Holy Spirit falls on them just as he did on the Jewish believers on the day of Pentecost. And all of a sudden, now the gospel has went from just a Jewish thing to a world thing. New opportunities have opened up because people were praying. Amen. See, if you want new things in your life, pray your way to them. Hmm. If you're ready for something different than the same old, same old, pray your way to it. If you want, if you want new results... You got to do new things. So you got to you got to spend that time in prayer and say, "Lord, help me to hear what it is you're saying to me. I'm going to pray my way to the I'm going to pray my way out of this old routine and I'm going to pray my way into the new things you have for me." Amen. Let me let me just say this to you. If you've never tried it, just try it. Try praying your way to new things. It'll work. Because what happens, prayer changes you. Prayer develops a relationship. And then new things are easier to see. And you'll look back and you'll say, wow, I, I, I've, never, I've never seen that before. As you pray, then the more you're praying, when you're reading the Word, you'll see more things. You'll see a depth in the Word you've never seen before. And in fact, I encourage you, before you read the Bible, spend time in prayer and make a part of your prayer. Say to the Lord, show me, Lord, what you want me to see in the Word I'm about to read. And you know what? You'll be amazed at things that you see in God's Word that you've never seen before. Because as you open your heart, doors of opportunity. Prayer opens doors of opportunity. We see that in Acts chapter number 10. <laughs> Acts chapter 11. Peter goes 
And now he's got to give an account to those in Jerusalem and 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 he's got to go down and they've got to talk about all this that went on and then and then Barnabas and Saul are going to be sent out and and let's 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 look at this because Acts 11 doesn't really deal a lot with prayer it it doesn't bring a lot out but but prayer is a theme that runs through because as he goes in he's telling them this is what God did for Cornelius's household in verse 18 of Acts 11 when they heard these things they became silent they glorified God and they said then God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life they become silent they're hearing new things and they realize prayer has opened up this new door because Peter told them all about his prayer and what God was saying and they realize this and so they began together to glorify God and then in verse 19 now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen they went as far as Antioch preaching the word and, and they were men from all over, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And, and so it, the word came to Jerusalem. Then Barnabas was sent out. And he called for Saul to go with him. And they went down to Antioch. And for a whole year they assembled with the church. They assembled. Now, here, here's what I want to say. When the word says they assembled with the church, guess what the early church did on a consistent basis. They were always together. Praying. Breaking bread from house to house. And sharing in the word. They were always together in prayer. And so it says they were assembled a whole year with the church. And they taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They were, they were separated for their togetherness. They were called out because they were now growing into something that was unified. Prayer unifies. Prayer is the doorway to unity. Because if we gather together consistently and we make prayer a part of our habit when we gather together and and not just something that we do at the beginning of a service or the end of the service but when we are together we are people of prayer we are people of communication we are people that are in the word if we do that then we will have unity prayer unifies if you are not unified with your family with your friends with your church with whatever pray your way to it prayer brings unity cuz true prayer is a laying down of your will and a taking up of God's. Amen. Prayer will unify. We see that in Acts 11. The, the church at Jerusalem accepts what God's doing among the Gentiles. And they're glorifying God because they realize this door of opportunity is opened up. When they come to Antioch, they're gathered together for a whole year. These people from all over are now unified as one. And prophets begin to speak and one prophesies about a famine that's coming. And so they begin to pool their resources together because they have heard the word of God and they determine they're going to send aid to those that would be in need. Prayer has unified them. If you're walking out of step with your fellow brothers and sisters, pray your way into unity. Put your will down. Take up the will of the Lord and be unified. Amen. Acts 12. In Acts 12, we see the story of Herod beginning to perform violence at, against the church. If you, I won't take the time to read it all, but he killed James, the brother of John. 
with the sword. And then he put Peter in prison, determined to kill him on the next day. And so what does the church do? The church gathers and prays. Now, we focus on the story of Peter, and and some of you will know it, some of you won't, but I'll recap it for you real quickly. On the night before he was going to be killed, Peter is in prison. He's asleep when an angel of the Lord appears unto him, thumps him on the side and wakes him up. When he wakes him up, he says, it's time to get going. And his chains fall off, the doors open before him, and the angel of the Lord leads him out into the street. And the Bible will say in Acts 12, and when Peter finally came to himself, he realized it wasn't a dream, that this was all true. He found himself free from Herod's grip. And so he goes to the house where the church was assembled praying. He went to the prayer meeting where they'd been praying, God, you got to deliver him. And he knocks on the door. Y'all remember this story? And a little servant girl named Rhoda comes to the door. And he knocks on the door, and she either says something, who's out there, or opens the door and sees it. He said, it's, it's me, it's Peter. And, and she runs back in, doesn't even open the door to him, runs back in and, and says, I, I, you're not going to believe this, Peter's at the door. The church that's in there praying for him says, it must be his ghost. Finally, they went and let him in, and Peter comes in and prays with them, and they rejoice together, and he silences them, and he tells to them what the Lord has done. And he brings them to a place that God, he shares with them what God is doing in his life and brings them to a place of agreement. Prayer opens a door of deliverance. Prayer's opened a door now. The church was praying. God opens a door, and deliverance is seen. So, prayer opens a door of opportunity. Prayer opens the door of unity. Prayer opens a door of deliverance. In Acts 13, we see Paul and traveling companions that are going to be commissioned for service. And the church lays hands on them and prays over them and commissions them into the harvest field. Prayer opens a door of release into service. Prayer opens a door of confirmation because now Gentiles are coming to the Lord and Paul's going to say to them, it's going to be in Acts chapter 13, that that Paul is going to say to them, this is confirmation of what the Lord said to us. The Gentiles would be brought in. Amen. In verse 46, Acts 13. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, Jews. But since you rejected and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we turn to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard that, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. Prayer opens the door of confirmation. If you will spend time in prayer, God will confirm His Word to you. I I hope you're just hearing this. See, it's in prayer God confirms His Word. God puts visions in your heart that confirms His Word. I, in, in prayer time, I, I'll, I'll sense the Spirit of the Lord lead me into a certain direction. And, and my question is always, Lord, confirm this in your word. 
I believe I'm hearing you, but confirm this. And, 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 and as I'm praying and asking God, God will always, if it's from Him, He'll always take me into the Word and confirm His Word to me. Because prayer is a confirming moment with the Lord that He confirms He's speaking to you. Acts 14. I won't take the time to go there, but they're going all throughout now. And they're sharing the gospel. In 14 and 23, when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And then they headed back to Antioch. Prayer. The confirming prayer. Now they're praying over them. And a door now is opened to revival into cities and into nations. Prayer opens doors to win cities, to win regions, to win nations, to win families, to win people. And then in Acts 15, they come back again, and, and they're coming back to the Jerusalem council, and they're having to determine what to do with the Gentiles. They're having to determine how to respond to the Gentiles that so many now are coming in. And, and they've spent time. They are talking together. They're joined together. It's a prayerful meeting, a time of trying to find the will of the Lord. How many know when you're trying to find the will of the Lord, you're going to be spending time in His presence? And in Acts 15, they finally come up and they say, well, here's what we're going to tell the Gentiles. We're going to tell them that, that here is what we need them to do. And they give them the order. They, they say, but we write this to you. Abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. And other than that, we're going to leave it to the Lord and to His Word with you. They, they have now, the door of inclusion has opened. Because now they are recognizing God's doing a work among people that we may not fully grasp, but we're going to agree with it. Prayer will cause you to agree with God even when you're not sure why He's doing it that way. Amen. In Acts 15, that's what they're doing. They, they come in the church of Jerusalem. They're not sure why God's reaching these Gentiles. They're not sure why, why, why they don't have to keep the same law and this, that. But they finally come to the conclusion. They finally come and they finally say, Lord... We're going to trust you. And we're going to agree with you. Prayer leads you to agree with God. Even when you may not fully comprehend. And then Acts 16 and we'll close. Acts 16. A great preaching chapter. Because in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are thrown into a Philippian jail. And the word says in Acts 16 and verse 13 back before they're in jail. And it says, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. And then when they are thrown into jail in verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Prayer opens the doors for miracles. Because about midnight they're praying and singing praise to the Lord. And an earthquake hits. And they're freed from their jail. 
And not only are they freed from their prison, but when they go out, they reach out to the jailer. He takes them home to his family and they preach the gospel. And he and his entire family were brought to the Lord. Prayer opened the door to the miraculous. Prayer is a door. Prayer is a thread that runs all the way through the moves of God. Prayer is a door that reveals to you God's plans. This is, I, I know, you know, every, one of the great things about being a pastor is you're not pigeonholed into ministering in a certain way all the time. You can, you can preach evangelistic when the Lord leads you to it. You can be prophetic. You can teach. And I'm, I'm just trying to stir up something in you during this study about the priority and power of prayer. I'm just trying to show you if we want Book of Acts experiences, then we have to be involved in what they were involved in. And the one thing they were involved in constantly was prayer. Are we prioritizing Are we allowing our prayer time with the Lord to lead us into agreement with Him? Are we allowing our prayer time to lead us into miraculous moments? Are we allowing our prayer time to open the door of confirmation into our lives? Open the door of deliverance. Open the door of opportunity. Open the door of unity with our brothers and sisters. Make prayer your priority. And you will see its power. Amen. Do you know prayer is a practice? People say, but I don't know how to pray. It's practice. It's talk to the Lord. Just communicate to Him. Tell Him what's on your heart. Tell Him what you're struggling with. Tell Him what you need. Tell Him what you desire. Talk to him, but make it a priority. Amen. Daniel prayed three times a day. He's so consistent. Throw open his windows and look towards Jerusalem in captivity and pray. And when they told him he couldn't do it, he did it anyway. Because when you have a habit of prayer, and that's your lifeblood. And that's your lifeline. And that is, that is your communication line with the Lord. It is your priority no matter what. I challenge you here and those of you online. Make prayer a priority. And you'll see doors begin to open. Amen. Stand your feet with me. What door do you need? Do you need a door of opportunity for new things? Do you need the doors of unity to open maybe among your family? Doors of deliverance from things you're struggling with? Maybe you need the door of agreement. Confirmation. Maybe you need the door of the miraculous to open.
pray it open.